Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Glasgow's Green, aka Gigpod, episode 197 of this incredible podcast. And can you believe it? We're almost at episode 200, and we're not doing anything special for that. Sorry, listeners. But anyway, we have got something special today. The return of Dan. How you doing, mate? I am not too bad, John. Not too bad. I won't give away too much. I won't break the the fourth wall entirely. But we have had one or two technical issues already as is always the case when you and I get together virtually unfortunately we weren't able to do this at magical Molly Malone yesterday we will crack on John because that's what the listeners would want us to do yeah but unfortunately we had to cancel at magical Molly Malone's but we will be back at that great pub soon enough with a more podcast hilarity and it is a fantastic pub everybody should go there right so we're going to deal with on this week's episode the recent 3-0 win over Ross County and the upcoming Champions League match against Atletico Madrid. Oh, good. Right, so let's talk about the Ross County game. 3-0 win up at Dingwall. Never easy to go there. And VAR, not for the first time this season. Took centre stage, but we'll talk more about that later on. A lot of changes made by Brendan. If we start at the back, Anthony Ralston came in for AJ. CCB was back. In midfield, Pillow Bernardo came in and David Tumble started. And up front, Dyson started, but... Yang was on the other wing, and Oh had his first start in a long time for Celtic. Kyogo was on the bench, so Matt O'Reilly, Kyogo too, and AG. Three of your biggest players on the bench. And what did you make of that starting lineup? Uh, Dan, were you slightly surprised at all the changes, or did you expect it with Tuesday in mind? Yeah, slightly surprised somewhat, maybe with the, the volume of changes. I certainly suspected that there would be a couple at least from midweek, as you say, with Tuesday in mind. Obviously, up in Dingwall, it can be a bit of a a slog from time to time. The the games up there do tend to be pretty tight. In kind of recent years where we've won by the the odd goal or a couple of goals, maybe with the, the second coming late on. 
So I was slightly surprised with the the number of changes, perhaps. But as Rogers has reiterated again and again, we're in a period of the season just now where it's seven games and I think twenty seven or twenty eight days. So there's obviously going to be that rotation. There's players who've been struggling maybe for minutes or certainly for starts. Um, or who you mentioned there, for example. So like I think all the players that came in as as we'll obviously discuss. I think played pretty well so having rung the changes it, it paid dividends so an inspired decision by our dear leader Brenton. Yep he's a wonderful guy and the fans serenaded him in song yesterday. Right so unfortunately we're going to have to talk about VAR as we often do when we're together on this pod. VAR and the performances of referee David Monroe and the, the VAR guy I don't know what other way to call him. Andrew Dallas, great guy. So the, all the VAR stuff started in the first 10 minutes. We thought we'd took the league with a, an effort by Liam Scales, a, a short, an effort of about six-yard box. He tapped the ball in an eight. Everybody celebrated the goal was given. But then VAR intervened and says Orr committed a foul. If it was a foul, it was very soft. Even, i seen that even, uh, well, actually, i seen that Neil McCann, that wonderful pundit, said it was a foul. But then what does he know? To me, it looked very, very soft. I saw that Brendan after the game wasn't happy about it. What did you make it? Surely that should have been given as a goal. Yeah, well, even uh, Chris Boyd, that wonderful pundit, um, reckoned it was a, a goal as well. Like, it's a contact sport at the end of the day. I don't think oh did anything wrong. I don't think there was any excess force or anything like that at all. So I do think it was incredibly harsh. Harsh on him, harsh on us. And yeah, really, I, I do think that goal should have stood. Right, in the next uh, big instant, took place just a couple of minutes after that. It was James Brown, Ross County player, with a, a terrible challenge. Ross County defender with a terrible challenge on Yang. A really high challenge, like, on his ankle. The referee first gave it a yellow card. And then it was upgraded to a red Bavar, and it was poor refereeing. Same as the terrible refereeing for good old John Beaton all night when we played St Mirren, where he failed to spot that penalty, which... I think everybody in the park could spot, everybody watching the game could spot. Anyway, of course, VAR gave the penalty. But, okay, it was a, a straightforward red card, and, I mean, it practically made the game a lot easier than it could have been, even though it took his time to get the, the first goal. But to me, that's bad refereeing, as ever, by our wonderful officials, by not giving it as a red card in the first place. And, I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk about referees in Scotland now and in England. I mean, Mikel Arteta blew a gasket last night after that Arsenal game when... They get that goal. Newcastle get a goal that probably should have been disallowed for three reasons. So they should like really get rid of her until they get all the problems fixed. But that, I mean, that was poor refereeing, in my opinion. That VAR had to check that was such a bad challenge. I mean, obviously that's why VAR was brought in. But do you really think it was terrible refereeing in the first place not to give the red card? Same as in midweek, was somehow beaten, missed that penalty. Yeah, no, I, I do think it was bad refereeing. I think, um, as you said there, obviously VAR was brought in for any kind of clearing obvious errors or, or mistakes, but one thing you don't want is referees using it when they don't need to or hiding behind it, if you like, thinking, oh, well, if I get this wrong, VAR can, can bail me out here. I do think it was poor refereeing. Thankfully, VAR intervened because it was a very, very clear-cut red card. I know that Brendan, after the game, had mentioned that um, it was maybe slightly unfortunate or that it at least reminded him of home sending off away in, in Feyenoord. But these days, as much as I've mentioned it being a, a contact sport, you can't tackle like that anymore. Political correctness gone mad, I know, but a very clear-cut red card at the end of the day and uh, poor refereeing that it had been missed in the uh, in the first instance. No, not long after that, there was another VAR instant, and I think this was maybe the worst instant in the whole game, That this we're going to talk about and disallowed goal when Will Nightingale leading with his elbow just completely done Liam Scales and I think VAR checked it for like a nanosecond and then played on 
and I think even on TV, like James McFadden was saying, I think that's going to be a red card. And they they just like dismissed it in settings. If that was there was this sort of similar incident in the Arsenal game last night where uh, a guy gets sort of coached, <laughs> as he would say, like in the back of the head. But I mean, it was an obvious violent conduct, and really, I've no idea why it wasn't a red card. Well, I suppose I have got an idea. And then, of course, I, there's been a lot of chat on good old X about O getting his jersey pulled in the box as he went for a header. Not VAR, of course. Uh, blithely seen nothing. Last week, as everybody knows, uh, when Rangers were struggling, they get bailed out by VAR when uh, Peter Herring done a ridiculous jersey pull on uh, Connor Goldson in uh, injury time, which led to him getting a penalty. They're second to the game, would you believe? And they scored. What's the difference there, apart from the obvious reason? And really, okay, the penalty, I don't think we were ever going to get, but that elbow was just ridiculous, and I've really no idea why VAR just dismissed it. They're too selective in the things they look at, and... It's not just up here. It's obviously happening in England as well, if you look at the Arsenal game last night. But really, VAR, I hate talking about it because I'd rather talk about Celtic's win. But we need to talk about it because it's a big talking point. VAR really was pitiful yesterday. And it's about time they got either some new guys in to do it or they just scrap it and bring it back when they've sorted everything out. I thought... Some of the decisions yesterday, especially that elbow, were absolutely terrible. Yeah, I, I was surprised that one wasn't looked at, to be honest. Mentioned, obviously, O having his jersey pulled. I think there was a similar incident with Carter Vickers as well, and around the, the penalty area, which... I mean, obviously, we, we all know that goes on, and I don't want it bordering on the point where you know defenders can't make any contact with an opposing player, an attacking player in and around the area. But as you say, it's very selective. They seem to pick certain instances and ignore others and it does become very frustrating because I think at the end of the day all people really want is consistency and at the minute in Scotland and England as well to be fair where they're a lot more well funded you know they're having their own issues there keep coming back obviously to that Newcastle Arsenal game last night where there was a few questionable decisions as well and if we didn't still have three Celtic goals to talk about John which we will come on to I do promise the listeners if it had been a more boring game yesterday we'd have probably been just as well talking about that uh, incident packed uh, game at St James's Park yesterday but um, on the stroke of half time obviously David Turnbull did uh, give us the lead John and we will need to to discuss that now we can't just moan about VAR all day unfortunately well there is one more though before we go into Turnbull's goal it was a good goal we forward to the lead earlier on when Dyson got free in the, the wing. It was a quiet game by Dyson. I wasn't surprised he was subbed. His cross was expertly slotted into the back of it. We fought by O for his second goal in two games. But VAR had a look at it. They took absolutely ages, even though the camera angles looked truly abysmal in Dingwall. And it was disallowed. Uh, I don't want to labour this again. I do want to talk about the goals we scored. But that was very, very tight. I mean... Surely they should give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking player. But there you go. But no, we did finally uh, take the lead on the 51st minute of the first half with six minutes out of time. David Tumble. Have to say, not the most popular player you would think at the moment, especially when he puts his fingers in his ears after he scores a goal. But for the second game in a row, he scored a very good goal and a very important goal against St. Martin's equaliser and against Ross County. It was the opening goal and it was a nice wee goal. He did well to sort of deceive a defender on the edge of the penalty box to make room for his cell and he just flashed it into the, the bottom corner of the net, giving lead law no chance. But I actually thought lead law was brilliant for Ross County. We seem to always play uh, goalkeepers that are like, having the games of their lives. And I think he even won man in the match on TV yesterday. That's how good he was. But no, your thoughts on David Tumble overall, eh, Dan, not just that goal, but his place in the team and like how popular or unpopular you would imagine he is at the moment. 
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, look, I, I don't want to sound like being too harsh here, and I mean that sincerely. I've got to be very careful. But for how um, average, shall we say, at times, that he seems to be at doing a lot of other things, for how frustratingly slow he can be in possession, almost as if he's playing in slow motion at times when he, he does get on the ball. One thing we can't deny about David Turnbull is his ability to shoot from range and, and shoot from distance. You know, Rogers made the point yesterday after the game about how useful a weapon that is in these sorts of games where you're playing opposition teams where they've got, you know, 10 men camped behind the, the, the ball all in around their own penalty area. You can maybe overplay, maybe try and, and walk it into the net, but one thing you do need is players who can have a, a shot from range and it was a fantastic strike from from Tumble. Um obviously scored a, a brilliant goal as well. And in midweek the celebration, obviously you'd, you'd mentioned there, I thought was questionable. And they did miss from the spot afterwards. I mean, in terms of his long term future itself, I'm unsure as to how how much longer he'll be here. Obviously, there's the contract situation ongoing at the moment. Is there a player that can go to the next level or that can take Celtic to the next level in terms of competing in the real top games against top opposition in Europe, for example? I don't think so, but in certain circumstances, like yesterday, when, as I say, you're coming up against these low blocks domestically, his, his ability to shoot from range is, is very, very useful. And it was a, an impressive goal again from him yesterday, I thought. It has to be said, they often scores against quote-unquote jobber teams. No disrespect to them, but I mean, like he scored three against Ross County now this season. I think he was playing, probably end up with like 10-plus goals, but then, as you say, I, I don't know what his long-term future is at Celtic. I mean, Brendan said the other day that they want to get a deal sorted, but the, the issue might not be at Celtic's end, it might be at the players' end. But, I mean, with the, the injury to Rio I'd imagine that Brendan will still keep giving him game time and I mean I don't know who knows if he'll start on Tuesday but I mean I think he'll be about the squad anyway right, so we'll move on to the setting half now and unsurprisingly Celtic were really continuing to dominate Oh, I think was really unlucky not to score. He missed a couple of chances. Laid low in the Ross County goal, made a, a number of great saves and it took us until late on to get the second goal not until the 78th minute and what a goal it was by Brian De Palma. A Brilliant shot for outside the penalty box, maybe like 30 yards away. Just hammered it and then the top corner, giving Laidlaw no chance. And we, we seem to have a thing with scoring good goals at, at Ross County. Uh, Burnaby scored that cracker last season, I remember. Uh, Lee Griffiths, that wonderful guy, scoring a brilliant free kick there. But it really was a, a brilliant goal, and I think it's the best Celtic goal of this season so far. Yeah, it was absolutely outstanding. I mean, we talked there about David Turnbull's ability to shoot from range, but Palmer's is is up there as well. An absolutely brilliant goal, as you say, probably a, a goal of the season, certainly so far. I was a little bit critical of him the other week after the, the game at Easter Road. I suppose this relates maybe to the, the third goal more than the, the second, but just about the fact that he was sort of a little bit one-dimensional. He was just 
constantly wanting to to cut inside and and shoot. But when he does get into those areas and it does come off and he does get a clean strike away at goal, you know, I don't think there's many goalkeepers in, in world football that that would be saving that. Ross Lidl, as you said, a, a good game yesterday. I thought he was very impressive, but he stood absolutely no chance with that. And as good as Turnbull's goal was in the first half, Palmer's was just that much better. Outstanding. Yeah, and he was involved in our third goal in the third minute. We found he's selling loads of space in the wing and it was a lovely wee deft cross to the back post and James Forrest, who came on in the second half sub, stooped to head the ball in the back of net to make it the 15th season in a row that he scored a goal for Celtic. That is really remarkable in this day and age when players leave. Clubs so often that a player's been at the same club for 15 years and he's scored in every single one of these seasons. Really very consistent. I mean, I doubt he'll get many more goals this season, but good on James Forrest for that. I don't know what it says about us overall. I mean, James Forrest is still involved after 15 years, but I mean, he's still getting in. I mean, last week he was involved against Hibs, that game that thankfully I didn't see. I just saw the highlights when he did hit the the bar. Slightly unlucky when he scored, but it was there, right place, right time. In this occasion, and we'll see as we see well done to Forrest, but Palmer, as you said, you were critical of him last week. I didn't think he was that good against St Mirren in midweek, but he more than made up for that today. And do you think that's James Forrest's last ever goal for Celtic? Or do you think he'll maybe, he'll maybe get one more, maybe next season even? Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll notch up a couple more against the quote-unquote jobber teams um, when he does come into the side on occasion. Like, take nothing away from him. That is an incredibly impressive start. I know he's had his, his doubters. I was certainly one of those pre-Rogers first spell at the club and I'm probably one of those that's asked one or two questions as to why maybe he hasn't been moved on by this stage, but as an incredible start, and in, in, in terms of his contribution to Celtic over the years, it has been kind of second to none. So a big congratulations to him. But no, I, I do suspect he'll he'll have a, a couple more in him at least. Made the point there, obviously, about Palmer, as I say, being a little bit one-dimensional in that game at Easter Road. Obviously, I was away to a, a gig during the week, so I didn't actually see this at winning game. But, you know, I talked about him obviously just wanting to, to cut inside and it doesn't, on occasion, to be fair, get a cross away as opposed to a shot, but usually going on, obviously, to his right foot. And this occasion, he's obviously just took it right to the, the byline. He's chipped that ball back across the face and, and Forrest from there. Good instinct to get into the area, obviously. Couldn't then miss that opportunity from, from where he was. Um, but no, great work again from, from Palmer, who I thought was hugely impressive coming off the bench yesterday and shown to be a, a real effective player. I know there's one or two doubts early on. Again, probably for me being a little bit quick to judge. Um, and I should maybe learn my lesson from that, although I, I suspect that I won't. But obviously coming into the place, someone like Jota is never going to be easy. But he's putting up really good numbers in terms of goals and assists early on in, in this stage of the season. He's scored in a, a very big game, obviously, against Atletico Madrid as well. And I think he could go on, obviously, to be a, a big, big player for us. So, no, I was very impressed with his cameo off the bench yesterday. And as I say, a big congratulations to James Forrest on that pretty astonishing start. A good win as always there. Yeah, we've got one more league game before the international break. Aberdeen next Sunday. I think around about this time, half two, which is for some bizarre reason live in Sky, which is a bit odd. Very rarely put our games at home on TV, but that is going to be live on television and we'll cover that next week, obviously. But before then, we've got the, the, the small prospect of making a return to Madrid for the second year in a row. Last year it was Real Madrid. This season it was Atletico Madrid. Last season we got absolutely hammered by Real. I mean, hopefully we aren't hammered by Atletico. I thought we played very well in that first game. This game on Tuesday night, 
Atletico Grinney in the back here, a 2-1 defeat on Friday night by Las Palmas. That'll probably just have them even more built up for this game, a game that really they need to win to stay in the, the sort of fight where Feyenoord, bizarrely, for top place in the group. So, I don't know, I'm just concerned we're going to get absolutely hammered here. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen, obviously, for many reasons. But do you think it'll be the strongest team as possible? O'Reilly and Kyogo will be back, and it'll be AJ will be back. It'll be like the the first choice team as usual. You would certainly think so, wouldn't you? With the the changes that were were made made yesterday. Again, obviously, a very good opportunity to give game time to certain players and an opportunity to be in from the start as well. But I, I do think we'll revert to what is the kind of strongest eleven uh, at the moment. In terms of the game on, on Tuesday, I don't know if we'll get a doing. I think we've shown enough in the group that we'll probably be competitive, but if you were to ask me if I think we'll get anything out of the game, then categorically it would be a no. You know, we know how bad Celtic have been on their, on their travels in that competition for a number of years, decades now even. But no, going over there, I mean, look, we were competitive in the game at, at Celtic Park and I thought for 60-65 minutes we, we played very, very well, but Going over there, as much as I think we can be competitive, certainly as we've been in all the games so far, I think it's a long shot that we get anything from that game, unfortunately. They will be fired up, as you say. Um, it is really between them, I suppose, now and, and, and Feyenoord for top spot in the group, the way things have, have shaped up. So they will be right up for it. They're a top team at the end of the day. We are still that little bit off it, as impressive as we were in the uh, 2-2 draw at Celtic Park. So I don't think we'll get a doing... Uh, as much as this is all kind of doom and gloom for me, I do think we'll, we'll match them at least for a period in the game, but I don't think we'll get anything out of it, unfortunately. Yeah, the thing is, even though we're obviously in a difficult situation in the group, like bottom in the group with only one point, we're, we're not actually out of Europe completely yet. And if we're looking at the group here, which is obviously Group E, like final top with six, Atletico second with five points, let's go third with fourth, and we're obviously bought with one point, but if Feyenoord managed to beat Lazio again. That makes our game against Lazio huge because if we managed to win that game, we'd be taking on a Feyenoord team that might not have a lot to play for in the the last game. I mean, it's still unlikely. If I was putting a bet in it, I'd imagine we'd all finish bottom. But, I mean, when we played Lazio, I genuinely didn't see that much for Lazio to be worried about. Okay, we made our usual daft mistakes, but, I mean, I'd be confident we can go over there and, and cause them problems. I think we'll probably cause Atletico problems as well. But, I mean, Atletico have got more quality than our team in the group. And are one of the best teams in Spain. And looking back, I thought that really was a good result in the first leg. In the first, not the first leg, I mean, in the first match between the teams. So, I mean, I'm confident we'll, we'll create chances. But, as you say, it'll be so difficult and we'll be under that much pressure. And, I mean, as we saw in the setting half at Celtic Park, when they upped the ante, we just really found it difficult to cope with it. But who knows? I'm hoping that we at least turn in a good performance and make the fans that travel over there proud and we don't get hammered. But it will be a very, very difficult game. And for that reason alone, I'm not going to make a shoot prediction because I don't want to make the listeners upset. Do you want to do a shoot prediction, Dan, or do you want to, do you want to just leave it out of respect for the listeners? I think if you're not going to make one, John, then, then I will refrain from making one as well. Just to come back to the point you did make there, let's all have done a kind of usual routine of being laughably bad in European competitions albeit they did obviously get that late win at Celtic Park but the record in Europe over the years is not great I think even if you go back to that 1920 Europa League group stage where we obviously did beat them 
home and away. But I mean, in terms of the other games, Cluj did actually finish above them to, to advance to the next stage with ourselves. So yeah, as much as it's going to be a very, very difficult task having to go to Rome, particularly having lost that game at Celtic Park, I'd be a lot more confident if we'd maybe get a, a draw from that first game against them. We're certainly not out of it. To answer your original point there, though, about a shoot prediction, I do think we'll get beat. <laughs> yes, so they are, for the record. But who knows, maybe we'll turn in a, a, a famous European performance and get a point. That would be... We've done that before in Spain, but he managed to get a point against Barcelona. 2004, John Hart, somebody goal that nobody predicted. So, Dan, thanks for coming back in the pod, and it's good to speak to you again, and I'll speak to you soon. Great to be back on the pod. Uh, shame we couldn't do it. IRL, a pleasure as always, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up in magical Molly Malone's very soon. Yep, same here, and hope we will be back in Molly Malone's sooner rather than later, probably next week. Right, so you can follow our dear leader, Stevie, on Instagram at GigPod. You can possibly catch him on threads if he's still bothering him with that ridiculous website but we want you to like and subscribe to the podcast we want more and more subscribers the numbers are going up every week but we want more so on your preferred pod- podcast platform apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to us tell your pals to listen as well get those subscriptions up and we'll be back next week after the athletical game and if we don't come back after the player game, well, we'll be back after the Aberdeen game next Sunday. So there will be more podcasts in the week to come. Right, so thanks everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon. Good luck to Celtic on Tuesday night. Do us proud and hail, hail. Podcast Network.